What is going on, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Rockney Cast, a podcast for men and the women who love them. For this episode, I'm going to do a groundbreaking episode, and hopefully you'll actually like it. I'm going to explain to you why I am now a registered Republican. Yes, I am. And I'm going to explain how I got there, um, how I became a Dem in the first place, why I am no longer a Dem, and why I wouldn't even vote for one of those reasonable centrist Dems, you know, those ones that are like kind of pro-business, like Fred Hubble. And I'm going to like hopefully offer you you know, some critiques as to where we are here in the United States, um, because I do think it's important that, unfortunately, due to the incompetence of Joe Biden, we all have to get involved at this point and we have to, you know, offer our voice because I think it's very important. I'm also going to, for those of you who are like, oh my God, I can't believe you're a Republican. Over these next couple of episodes, I'm also going to cover, you know, some critiques of some aspects of republicanism that I do not like in terms of the modern party. Losers like Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney. I still don't like them. I still think there's a huge problem with them. And as far as his orangeness goes, I'm going to get a little bit into setting aside him as a candidate as to how he kind of arose in the future. I don't know that I'm, I, I, I'll do one of those episodes on him, probably not for this one, um, but I am gonna, I am gonna uh, talk about why I am probably now a registered Republican, why I'm gonna vote for yes, the Iowa Republicans, and why I think the Democrat, Democrats do not have a clue um, and that the only way essentially they can win, at least in the state of Iowa, is if either they kind of man up and learn how to fucking do policy, um, or, you know, frankly, if the demographics of the state change, um, you know, I think they could possibly, you know, maybe get some more votes if they allow uh, computer internet voting. I think they could probably do that. But I think in terms of right now, uh, for people that have lived in Iowa for a long time, um, of all races, all colors, even all orientations. I, I just think so much of what Iowa Dems and national Dems do is a gigantic turnoff. And I would not, if you are a person of conscience, I do not think you would vote for a Democrat, either at the national level, the state level, possibly the local level i mean you know they can't screw stuff up too much and there are some good micro level issues that i think dems might be a little bit better than some republicans are but at least for now until they get a clue uh i am strongly encouraging you not to vote for any democrats of any time because everything they touch gets worse and after they screw things up then they ask for more help and of course rather than accepting responsibility they pass the buck. So before I get into why I am now probably a registered Republican, I'm going to explain a little bit as to why I stayed out of politics for so long. Because I do think it's helpful, um, one, to sort of explain why I stayed out. And, you know, many of you who are listening to this podcast, you may not like politics, you yourself may feel uncomfortable about expressing your views. 
Um, there usually is a price to pay if you do. Um, but at least at this point, I, I think we we all have, kind of have to get involved. And, and so I want to explain to you a little bit about why I stayed out and see if that kind of resonates for you. Um, and probably some particulars of that, why I decided to then change my mind and be more vocal about what I actually think, what my beliefs are, and why I think it's very important for the health of our nation and the state of Iowa in particular, uh, that Republicans remain firmly in control. I think that they, unfortunately, the state-level Republicans have handed them some easy issues. So I'm going to be critical of them uh, as well. But uh, l- let me give you a little bit of background as to sort of part one is going to be why I've stayed out of politics. Part two, I'm going to get into why I've decided to enter the fray and firmly come out as a Republican. Three, I'm going to identify, you know, some things that just drive me nuts about Dems. I, just, I can't stand on the far left and the, and the center. And um, I'm still going to do some of the other types of podcasts um, on issues primarily affecting men uh, because I'm a dude. I mean, I love freaking studying great leaders, you know, like Patton and um, Dwight Eisenhower and some Dems like Harry Truman. I still love JFK. I even have some pot. I, I like J. I, I like MLK. I like Barack Obama. I think there's some good things with Barack. So hopefully you can like take off your ideological lens and not just you know quiver your butt cheeks and just say oh my god and use some of the dem techniques that i just can't stand um and hopefully we'll have a good discussion you'll have a little bit of fun maybe you'll reach out to me rockneycola gmail.com rockneycast at gmail.com um i am gonna then i'm gonna make my own sponsorship here and say that i am now supported by club ocean a place where you can get t-shirts about the beautiful up-and-coming city of Ocean, Iowa, city of hipsters and dreamers and people that get things done. Ocean, Iowa. If you want a t-shirt, reach out to me at rockmecast at gmail.com and I'll explain to you how to get t-shirts um, from Club Ocean, the ultimate Iowa source for your Ocean-related t-shirts. So why have I stayed out of politics for so long? First off, as I'm self-aware, I, you know, I, I read 20 to 30 books a year um, on all different sorts of topics, mathematics, history, politics. Right now, I'm into a lot of Vikings literature. Um, I don't say that to kind of burnish my credentials or to say that, like, I know anything more than anyone else. But I, I, I do know that reality is complex. And most of what we observe as political phenomena, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes. And, um, you know, there are levels of complexity that are present um, that are that are there. And, you know, it's one of those things like, what can I offer that someone else can't offer? Um, so I think that's one thing. Number two, I, I kind of didn't want to be like, you know, every once in a while, there's some like farmer that writes into the Gazette or the Des Moines Register. They give a little lecture on liberty. You know, now that I'm almost 50, I didn't want to become one of those guys that's kind of like, yeah, our nation founders believed in liberty, and they believed in personal responsibility and truth. And the liberals are a bunch of lunatics, and they don't know what they're talking about. I didn't want to be one of those guys. So I have held off. And, and two, you know, there's always that great question, well, who the hell am I? What the hell do I have to offer that no one else has to offer? And um, I actually had a realization, uh, actually April 6th, you know, if this if this new iteration of the podcast 
uh, takes off. I had a revelation April 6th that it was kind of like the completion of my transformation uh, from kind of a weak need dude to like a dude, a dude that takes positions. And what occurred to me on April 6th is that a deep moment of insight, you know, this whole thing about staying out of politics and why I was afraid uh, to even admit that I, I've been a Republican now for about a year. So yeah, I am coming out of the closet. I am a registered Republican. I had this, you know, this is a podcast about men. It really occurred to me, and I, I love like people like Uhtred of Bevenbor and Last Kingdom. It really occurred to me, I had a deep insight as to why I have stayed out of politics for so long and clearly expressing my views. And so what you're going to get is the unvarnished view of what I actually think. And I'm going to have the balls to take on certain people, um, you know, I, you know that, that take positions. And, and liberals, I don't give a shit what you say about me because I know who I am as a person. It occurred to me that men take positions. Men take positions. It occurred to me that the reason why I had stayed out of politics for so long is I was a pussy. I was. I didn't want uh, all of the libs to condemn me as racist, which is complete bullshit, um, to attack me. I didn't want a mob to show up out of my house. I, I didn't want to be accused of being ignorant and racist and sexist. And so I stayed out of expressing my views. And I think maybe a lot of you have found um, this to be the case. I stayed out for so long because I was a pussy. And I did not take a position because I was afraid. And um, no longer. Uh, because I think that the Dems... Uh, I think in terms of a lot of their political positions are so mind-blowingly incompetent, everything they touch becomes worse. And I, you know, and I think, well, luckily in Iowa, we do have a lot of uh, Republicans. And I think right now we have a supermajority, at least for now. Uh, but, but for the most part, I think the track record is horrible. So for this, that's the Dems, both at the state, national, and to some degree local level. Um, but I will talk about some of the, you know, my journey to becoming a Democrat in the first place. There are obviously some redeeming features. I still love people like Harold Hughes, Robert Kennedy. Uh, I am a JFK guy. I think FDR had his virtues. I, Woodrow Wilson, I'm going to come out firmly again. I think Woodrow Wilson was a fucking racist dipshit, and we should cancel him. Um, he got us into World War One, provided the seeds for World War II. Why doesn't he get more heat? I have no idea why. Um, but we do need to take these positions because the Democrats are incompetent. They've had horrible policies related to COVID. Every time they get in charge, there's chaos, there's, there's violence, there's disruption. Um, people's wages go down. Uh, their quality of life goes down. Their happiness goes down way down because it ultimately comes from a very flawed ideology. And so I am going to enter this world of polemics, uh, realizing the own limitations of my view. Um, and it's going to be a good, and, and some episodes we're going to get into sort of a granular level of detail. Uh, because one of the things that I cannot stand, uh, you know, especially when it comes from professors who don't know shit about economics, I don't care, even on the right or left, uh, you don't know shit until you met payroll. 
just serious. So one thing I can say about Michael Moore, you know, a boy for Combine, the motherfuckers made payroll, right? So I respect him. Um, you know, there are you know, there are some dumbs, the bourgeois bohemians, uh, that I think have met payroll, know what the hell they're talking about, have paid their taxes as an employer, uh, that I, I just find them much more credible than some professor. And, and even some neoclassical professor at the University of Chicago who's never had to met payroll, someone like a Paul Ryan. Maybe he has now, but... So that is why I am going to get into the details of some of these arguments, because I do think that I'm right. And I do think uh, Republicans, the reason why they've won elections is, you know why? They're the party of grownups, insanity, and stability. That's why they've won. It's not because they're particularly bright. I mean, Chuck Grassley's son, Pat, I mean, Pat seems like he's smart enough, but they're kind of a party of just common sense making sense and normalcy and just being ordinary and just letting people live their lives and i think a lot of times um and i think that it is really that important because there's just a lot of policies and and by the way i'm going to be open-minded enough that i'm also going to seek the truth here so um i do hope i can get some you know for example you know, some voters from Minneapolis after their neighborhoods, their businesses have been trashed, why they continue to overwhelmingly vote for Democrat. Um, why, if you're peace loving, you cannot, you know, go and apologize to every single person who has died in the Ukraine when your president is sending AK-47s, AK but all sorts of machine guns, bazookas, rocket launchers, howitzers, potentially missiles to that to that conflict, while at the same time ignoring the suffering of the American people. I'm going to keep an open mind. Like, okay, what is the process? We're not going to insult. We're not going to use some of these standard techniques. Um, but it just occurred to me that this, this is a debate that we need to have. Um, not to sound arrogant, but I am good at this. Um, this is going to be fun. Uh, you know, for a long time, I wanted to be the liberal Rush Limbaugh. Now I'm going to be the Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, I'm going to be funny, and we're going to learn some things. We're going to read the books. I'm going to try to persuade you that I am going to write, be right, and I am not going to insult. So I've insulted a lot of Dems right now, but for the most part, I'm not going to stoop to their level and insult them um, in the way that they do, because it's one of the things, there's a lot of reasons why I'm no longer a Democrat, but um, I'm going to identify some particulars as to why I don't like them. Not like that. I mean, I like them personally, but in terms of the policies and the techniques, uh, it's just everything is a disaster. And to the extent that everything that they touch doesn't turn to a disaster, that's likely because of the grown-ups in charge that are just getting stuff done, either at the staff level um, or the people that actually know how to meet payroll and get stuff done. Uh, and so this is an important discussion that we have, that we need to have. So number two, you know, why all of a sudden started to speak out? Well, as, I, as I've talked about, um, we need to be able to take positions uh, and speak out and identify some of these issues because you know, that whole thing that Richard Nixon said in 1968 about the silent majority, he was absolutely right, and it's never been more true now. A lot of people don't have the wherewithal 
But frankly, they're just too hard trying to make a living to worry about politics, right? And they just don't want to be insulted. They just want to, most people actually, if you can deliver on simple things, safety, security, and earning an honest living with a reasonable amount of time off, if you can do those things and then allow and to respect culture, um, you're, you're going to win elections. And I think Republicans have done this. Safety, stability, normalcy, and common sense. And the Dems just have not, they have not delivered. And instead, they live in their own fantasy world. Um, and I, 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 now, now, if you're a Dem, it's like, oh my gosh, I, um, I can't believe you're insulting me. I know I'm not insulting you, but I just, I, I would love to have a discussion with you. We, we can, you can, I'll invite you on my podcast as long as you maintain the rules of decorum and don't insult and um, denigrate and um, these sorts of things. Um, I'd love to have you on my podcast so we can have a conversation. I think that is part of the things. We don't have these conversations anymore. But I am now firmly a Republican. I do believe in the United States of America. And, I, and I'm going to, my mission is going to be to uh, really expose just a lot of the complete dysfunction of a lot of the Democratic policies. A lot of them do work in the theater of their own mind. And there, and there is some good track record here, but I think now, I think the issue is, you know, there was that book in the 90s called What's a Matter of Kansas? You know, this notion that, oh, if only they understood, they're all just a bunch of idiots. Why are they voting for Republicans? When if they only understood their self-interest? And I'm basically going to say, like, no, they weren't voting as much for Republicans as against a lot of the, the Dems that um, basically deliver chaos, dysfunction, and poverty with nearly every policy that they touch. And when they don't do that, it's mainly because of the people in charge, you know, are covering up for a lot of the mistakes that they make. So this is going to be political. So Let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to give some particulars, and this isn't all, this, this, this isn't going to become like just totally all about politics, but I am going to, I'm going to talk about some of the, the kind of the three kind of catalysts or sort of techniques that I think a lot of times Dems use. And I've seen it, I live in Iowa City for 25 years. Uh, I've seen it at basically every level of the Dems. And, you know, Republicans obviously being human nature, being what it is, you know, of course, there's to some degree, you know, Every party does this to some degree, and I get it. But I find this particularly pronounced um, with the Dems, and I do believe it's one of the reasons why Elon Musk took over Twitter so there could be a legitimate debate. Because I think one of the things about being a dude or a woman of self-respect, and there are a lot of freedom-loving cisgender women out there too, um, but... If you take a position, you got to be prepared to defend like what your point of view is. And, and so I have no problem, uh, you know, identifying where I'm wrong. Um, you know, if there's, for example, a factual assertion that I make, you know, the, the, the year in which FDR was born and it's proven false, I have no problem admitting that. If there's more of an abstract policy question where I look at, you know, some of the issues that, um, that I've taken strong positions on, that I you know, proven empirically wrong. I, I'd love to be educated otherwise. But I just think right now, there's just a lot of things in the Democratic Party that are entirely dysfunctional. And at least as long as grownups are still in charge, and unless you, if you don't want chaos or dysfunction, 
Um, you, you really got to vote for Republican, um, you know, but I'd love to hear people's uh, conversation otherwise. So let's get into, I, I think, you know, three things that have just driven me absolutely nuts about so many Dems when they try to argue or engage in political rhetoric. What is, when you look at all the great political leaders, whether it's Lincoln, to some degree, Grant, um, you know, there was even JFK, even Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan, is FDR. What did they do? They inspired people. They appealed to the better angels of our nature. They had a sense of humor. They um, helped us to aspire to be the best versions of us that we could be. And, you know, someone like Barack Obama persuaded a lot of rural white people in Iowa to vote for him. In fact, there was a lot of um, Trump-Obama counties in the state of Iowa. One was right to the west of me. But unfortunately, um, that that is just not present in the Democratic Party. <clears throat> and I'm going to use three techniques that they use that just drive me nuts. The first is the lecture. In AOC, you look no longer um, than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the leading light of the Democratic Party. And she's charismatic, she's telegenic, I think she's clearly articulate. Um, I was a believer of her at one point. But her persuasion technique, more than anything else, is the lecture. So rather than assume that people have done their own homework or that they've formed their views based upon their reading, or even if they watch Fox News or anything else, this notion that all the views of middle America arise from, at least as it's identified by so many Dems, and especially Alexander, is one ignorance. So I don't know the number of times I've heard on Facebook where people are like, I can't believe my dad watches Fox News. He's just totally ignorant. And if he only read these books that I just learned in my class, or they might be a master's student, a little master's Marxist. And I'm going to take on the master's Marxist because here's another thing. Too. I'm actually kind of a fan of, I kind of like Karl Marx. I do. Republicans, I'm going to give you a hard time too. So I'm going to have no friends. I'm going to have no friends. I'm going to take on the master's Marxist, uh, you know, the, the kind of not so good master's student that's like a Trotskyite. Um, but they they educate these kids and then they they train, then they educate them about what the solutions are and the underlying knowledge of the underlying problem. And AOC is always doing this. What is the issue? The issue is low wages. And you can look at the historical act, you know, the, the workers' movements, and you can study them and you can understand the nature of the problem. This is what AOC is like. She's always like, oh my God, I have to educate and lecture you all. You guys are a bunch of idiots. You don't understand. And, you know, let me just tell you, AOC, okay, and this, I don't like the lecture. It's true. My opinion may arise from ignorance. You know, I'm not that smart. I didn't think I could have gotten into medical. I did get into law school, so I'm not like dumb. 
I'm not, you know, I, I, I didn't score the highest on the SAT. You know, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, that's, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I, I'm pretty, well, I, in any of that, I'm not a genius. Okay. But a lot of my views and the views that other people hold, it's not a, it's not a result of ignorance. It's a result of experience. And I think if you ask most conservatives why they feel the way that they do, it's usually not a result of ignorance, but it's a result of experience. They've experienced and felt and observed force firsthand the dysfunction of the liberal ideology. You know, for example, Ronald Reagan once said that everyone is a liberal on criminal justice until they've been mugged. Imagine you're walking along and you and your child are assaulted and permanently disfigured by someone who attacked you. And then you look at the person's criminal history and it wasn't a one-off thing that they had literally been in custody 75 times. And then they've been let off. They have not had a reasonable punishment. You know, the, the primary purpose of criminal justice, I don't think is to punish. I don't, I don't think that's the purpose. The purpose in my view is only community safety. So that's why I think, that's why I kind of hold the libertarian view that, you know, if, if it's <clears throat> doesn't affect community safety at large, yeah, there needs to be accountability, but that's the primary purpose is to keep the community safe. Liberals do not understand that. Um, a lot of times you get people that live in a safe neighborhood. Like when I was in Iowa City, there were several people that said, eh, the jail's a bunch of bullshit because they have this idiot. And they lived in safe neighborhoods. They weren't affected by crime. They didn't give a shit about crime. All they cared about was their own views to elevate themselves to the detriment of everyone else. And so AOC, it's always the lecture. Well, yeah, I could be ignorant. Maybe I just don't understand things. But it also might be that I form my views based upon experience. You know, she talks about, for example, educating, um, you know, more on, on wages that need to be higher. Uh, well, yeah, duh. But have you ever tried to beat payroll? It's fucking hard. It's not easy. I'm amazed that any of these companies that are actually engaging in the market can pay paychecks and can pay wages and can keep their shit together and can do the withholding and to pay the property taxes and to put the and put all of this together and to deliver a service to the benefit of everyone. You know, and I think this is a thing that the libs do not understand the gap between actually doing something and talking about doing something. Can you imagine to say like, well, what do you have to do to cross the ocean? Well, you just need to get in a boat and cross, right? But to do it, you need to understand ballast and navigation and technology and weather and physics and mathematics and calculus and fuel. It's extraordinarily complicated. And that's something like AOC, the best thing that she can do is to start her own business and Bernie, same thing, and to meet payroll. My guess is this business would be an absolute disaster because if the policies that they put in place where everyone has a guaranteed job, everyone has a high wage regardless of what they do, and everyone can essentially you know, um, pass the buck to someone else if there's a screw up, which you can in a lot of government positions, It'd be an absolute disaster. So the lecture. No, I understand AOC. I've done my reading too. 
I, I don't consider myself some uber intellectual. I read 20 to 30 books a year. Yeah, I watch Fox News, but I also do tune into CNN now and then. Um, but I, I read all of this stuff. And so I think the point is, is that, and I think a lot of people that have these views, they have them because of what they've experienced. Number two, the the this notion that anytime someone is um, fails at something, it's always the government faults. So if you're homeless, it's not your responsibility. It's the government's fault. And then you bring in a social worker that brings in a super complicated issue that um, that doesn't solve the underlying problem. And then they always have one answer to, oh, well, only if we got more resources, more resources. And so rather than accept responsibility, they play the blame game. Now, of course, everywhere we're at is a convergence of the individual decisions that we've taken and the uh, the societal milieu that we arise in. So what I'm saying is, is of course, it's both. But how often do you see that common sense discussion? You know, if someone doesn't have a job, well, what do you do? Are you, are you a drunk? You do drugs all the time? You have long, disheveled hair. Are you filthy? Do you take a bath? And you know, and then you get a social worker to be like, "Oh, you understand how complicated it is. They have these constellation of issues." Well, are you actually asking them to do anything? And if these people are so, like, you, for example, South in San Francisco, no one has the guts to take on the homeless issue. And if anyone brings it up, why don't they do it? Because there will be a mob outside their house threatening them if they take on the issue. And so no one has the guts to talk about what the problem is. That no one will take responsibility for their own actions. And some of them, yes, have mental illness. Some of them do have drug issues. Um, but it's just a question of owning up to that. And if you are that dysfunctional, that you don't have any control over anything that you do, then I'm sorry, you know, we maybe need to do institutions. I, we need something. But you just cannot have a functioning, thriving society where... Um, you know, you have homelessness all over the streets. And a lot of times, again, I can hear the homeless advocates, you know, talking about this saying, oh my gosh, there's so many compassion. But here's the thing that just drives me nuts about so many of these homeless advocates. A lot of them work in government or nonprofit. A lot of them make really, really good money. And a lot of them do not live in neighborhoods um, with a lot of homeless population. They don't give a shit. What they're concerned about is not solving the underlying problem. What they're concerned about is their own reputation. They care. That's their whole thing. They don't give a shit about actually solving the problem. Instead, they just want to have their ego stroked. Oh, I'm so progressive. I make $80,000 a year working for the University of Iowa. And I don't live in a neighborhood where any of these issues occur. It's super safe. It's a chemically drenched lawn and I have some, you know, whatever. I live in a safe neighborhood, but yet I don't have to look at the consequences of the decisions or the policies that I advocate. And it allows me to feel good and important. You don't know the number of advocates that have these extreme cushy jobs and then would lecture everyone else. And so it's the blame game. Never accept responsibility. Never focus on what you can control. Instead, blame the government. And so I can't, I can't stand that. Um, so the blame game, that's one of the things with them. So like in the Iowa public, you know what they always talk about? They're always like, oh, Iowans are just too damn dumb. 
to understand our point of view. If only they understood. And oh my gosh, we could we could really solve a lot of these problems, problems of poverty. And my response to that is, is actually no. Um, a lot of them can't understand quite well uh, what your policies are, and they just don't like them. So I think that's kind of the issue as far as that goes. So number two, the blame game. And I'm all about accountability. We're all accountable for our own actions. But you do have to have personal responsibility does have to be some part of the equation. Okay. And number three, uh, if if number one, which is the insult and the, you know, if if that doesn't work, if the, I'm sorry, if the lecture doesn't work, okay, so that's the first one to educate you. Well, then they try to shame you, insult, and humiliate you. And if that doesn't work, then of course, and of course, if your own policies don't work, then you blame someone else. That's Bernie Sanders. Everything he does is blaming someone else. So that's kind of the third thing is that you just blame someone. And if, you know, number one, number two, and number three doesn't work, you shut the person up. And I can't stand these campus radicals that won't engage in a debate, right? Um, you know, and they're, you know, they won't, they won't talk to these debate. Instead, they use the lecture, the blame game, and the insult. And I think people have had enough, and they just don't want to listen to that. So, um, and, and that tends to be with the devil. I look at a lot of these guys like Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro. They go out of the campus, Dinesh D'Souza. They're not afraid, Jordan Peterson. But instead, they get insulted. They get yelled. They get, you know, um, the campus radical. They can't produce anything except insults and misery is lecturing these guys and these guys have guts they go on they, they take on the campus and instead they, they get yelled at and shut it out so you can't even have and and they somehow expect the rest of iowa to pay for all these cushy jobs and at the same time have everything about them insulted you know just today i read a article and i'm going to do even more topical stuff about an lbgt uh, couple and they were saying you know, does I welcome them anymore? And I think that, that's a fair question. I do believe everyone needs to be treated with respect. But by the same token, do you have any respect for the cultures, the various cultures, the people of Iowa, people that do believe in the sanctity of life, people that do believe in hard work, people that aren't, you know, that are proud of their, uh, their heritage, their hometowns? Do you have any respect for those cultures? No, you have no respect for them. And in fact, in a lot of cases, you just insult and humiliate them and shut them up and accuse them all of being racist and hateful and all these sorts of things. So a lot of people have just basically said, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'll have a debate if you want to have an open, thoughtful debate about some of these things. But I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to vote for people. And so that if, if you're constantly insulting and so, you know, there's a friend of mine in Iowa City who I really like, but he always lectures about wages and about how great he is. And um, and then he never has run his own payroll. And he lectures Republicans about that and insults them and educates them. And they continually over and over and over and over again are losing these issues. That's not a result of misunderstanding. It's a result of understanding and not liking those differences. 
And you know, and if, and if all those techniques don't work, then they insult and they shut you up. And that's exactly what happened with um, Twitter purchase. You know, the, these people that you know, I read today that I think Twitter was like a three billion dollar negative cash flow, and now it's about breaking even. Um, they were just essentially passing the buck with you know debt and dysfunction and you know craziness. And now insult is at least, you know, Elon Musk can count. You have to bring in more than, than goes out. Um, but I think he realized how important it was just to have these debates. And, you know, I think of the, uh, you know, the recent, I mean, I'd say, I think that Musk would probably vote Republican a lot of things. He is nuanced. I think probably was more of a centrist before. There was a recent Democrat in North Carolina. I'm looking into details like that about she left the Democratic Party um, just because it's all about insults. And I, I guess that's fine, but how do you how do you hope to appeal to people when your entire ideology is based upon insults, lecture, and blame? Well, none of those things are inspiring and accepting no responsibility for the consequences of your own actions. And finally, nearly everything they touch turns to worse. Um, and so I'm gonna talk about some of that in terms of, um, you know, some policy proposals and things like that in other episodes. Um, but yeah, so we're going to cover all these things. And if, and if you're still here, I hope you spread the word in terms of what we're trying to do. Um, I do think it's important to give a little bit of kind of where I'm coming from on a lot of this stuff. I certainly don't want to become the person that uh, I'm critiquing. You know, I don't want to become like, oh my God, it's totally bullshit. I think a lot of these policies have gotten so bad that I just can't stay silent anymore. I think staying silent was kind of a form of cowardice on my part. I was afraid of what other people would think. And as a result, there's just kind of a lot of bad ideas. And I'm like, if this is a podcast on men, it occurred to me, what's the worst position that men should do? It's take positions, take a stand. I am also going to critique some on the right, people like Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, um, Herbert Hoover. Um, you know, because if they didn't have some of their own lapses, um, ultimately, you know, I don't know that we'd be where we are in terms of some of the dysfunctional democratic policies. But um, so we're going to get into some of these issues. And, uh, you know, because I, I think our country is on a precipice here. There's, there's some really exceedingly bad policy. And, um, you know, we need to have these discussions. So we're still going to have a lot of fun. I'm still going to, you know, educate you about the classics and what we're going to have fun about personal growth. Um, we're going to talk about stoicism. I'm going to share some of my insights on health, you know, various things that I've learned with mind, body, and spirit. But we are going to take a turn, and we're going to talk about politics more. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have a sense of humor. And most importantly, I am going to keep an open mind. Um, you know, that's really important. Um, I'm certainly not going to try to insult. The only time I think I'm going to be probably really polemical, especially when we get, you know, the, the whole insult crowd help kind of wade through some of these issues in terms of what I think. But um, so we are going to be more polemical. Um, hopefully we're going to win some friends. Maybe we're going to create some enemies. But I'm going to talk about where I stand on these particular issues. Um, I am a Republican now. Uh, I am not a Democrat. And I have no regrets about that whatsoever. Um, and we will debate a lot of these issues. But, um, you know, the, the Democrat caucus uh, from, from 20, what was it, 2020, I think just kind of illustrates how screwed it up is at a local level, but also at a state and national level. They simply do not get it. 
Um, they have some understanding of it, but I, I I just don't think they really have the guts to really um, kind of realize what kind of what the stakes are. So, wow, um, this is who I am. Um, here I stand, brothers and sisters. I am going to speak out. I am going to be me. Um, hopefully, I don't get the mob showing outside of my house, but if I get up to that point, uh, it's going to be because this podcast is really successful. You guys are having a lot of fun. You're being educated. I'm essentially the next Rush Limbaugh. That's kind of some hustle right there. We're going to have some fun. We're going to take on the libs. Um, we're going to defend Republican principles. We're going to celebrate our heroes. We're going to offer thoughtful critiques. We're going to celebrate some dumbs that we like to. So we are going to, and I'm even going to talk a little bit about Fidel Castro at some point. You know, and juxtapose him to the professors, the Marxist professors that um, love Castro, except basically, I think Castro would kind of like flip him the middle finger if he actually had a chance to talk to him, you know, when he was still alive. So we're going to have a lot of fun. So keep me, keep me honest too. Uh, if you think it's a little negative, Nelly, and you're like, oh my God, I, I, I want him just so, you know, I'm fasting and I came here. Um, Brits are like, holy shit, what, what's going on here? Why, why should I care about this? Well, I think all these issues are percolating throughout the world. I think the question is, you know, whether we're going to celebrate that. Um, but I, unfortunately, Dems being Dems, if, if it does take off, I'm sure what's going to happen is we'll get the lecture, the insult, the chaos, and the blame, right? That, that's what they do. Those are their, those are their toolboxes. And they try to use those. I think people finally have had enough. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about April 6th and kind of my inspiration for what happened on that particular date. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Doug Murray, uh, Doug Les Murray, uh, the great British polemicist. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll get into that. So, wow. Hopefully you've enjoyed this particular podcast. Hopefully it hasn't been too much for your your little ears and you still enjoy this part. I don't have that big an audience anyway, so what the hell do I have to lose? Um, we're going to be political and we're going to talk about um, the political issues of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinite gratitude to each and every one of you. Um, we're going to continue to have a lot of fun on this podcast. We're going to cover all sorts of topics, especially affecting them, but also for the women who love the men because um, there are a lot of dysfunctional dudes out there. And so we're going to continue on that journey. But that's where we are. We are going to be a pod, we're going to be a podcast about ideas. We're going to state those ideas. We're going to defend those ideas. And we are going to advance those ideas so that all of us can find a productive place where you and your families can thrive and develop your faculties in mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time we meet again on the Rocky Cast. <laughs>